This is the Story Power Marketing Show with Tom Ruich. Make yourself comfortable and fasten your seatbelt. Tom and his guests are about to share powerful stories, trade business building insights, and have a few laughs. Tom created this podcast to help you captivate prospects and inspire them to act so you can get more clients quickly and easily. That's what powerful storytelling is all about. That's what this podcast is all about. So let's get this party started. Here's your host, Tom Ruich. Hello and welcome to the Story Power Marketing Show. My name is Tom Ruich and today's episode is called How to Become a Super Creator for Joy and Abundance. My guest today is my good friend and mastermind partner, Dixie Gillespie. Dixie is all about helping people tap into their core power to create great things. Dixie is a writer, activator, and fire starter whose mission is to help people reclaim their power as super creators. She's addicted to story, allergic to can't, and has learned to embrace her natural tendency to navigate life with one foot in the world of spirit and the other planted on terra firma. For over 30 years, she has been coaching entrepreneurs, founders, and business leaders to use the principles of conscious creation to overcome any adversities or barriers and create what they once believed was impossible. Her first book, Just Blow It Up, Firepower for Living an Unlimited Life, is an instruction manual for creators who are all re- or who are ready to blast through barriers and create anything they choose. And her most recent book, The Truth About Winter, is an, allegor- an allegorical telling of her own story, revealing truths that heal our trauma and empower and free us to live as the creators we were born to be. Dixie has been a TEDx presenter and has been honored as a woman of the decade in enterprise and innovation by the Women Economic Forum. And Dixie, as I noted before, is a good friend. I meet with her just about every single week, usually more than once a week, to compare notes, to work through things, to offer feedback, mutually beneficial masterminding and We have been looking forward to this moment where we can spend a little bit of time with our audience, sharing some of the things that we often talk about in our mastermind work. And to begin that conversation, Dixie, first, welcome. Thank you. It's it's always fun to see you, but it's it's even a little more fun knowing we get to share. Exactly. Exactly. And uh, let's start with this idea of creators and creation. And the thing that occurs to me is that a lot of people have different senses of what exactly you mean by that. But I think the way that you and I look at it, the way I look at it, is that we are creating constantly. We as human beings are naturally creating. When I sit down to write an email, I'm creating. When I am planning details of a product or a service or a coaching program, I am creating. When I'm planning a vacation or planning dinner or making dinner, I am creating. When I'm envisioning my future for myself, my family, 
I am creating. So creating is everything and everywhere. We are human beings and that makes us creators. Your thoughts? Absolutely true. Yeah. I would even go so far as to say, when we take a breath, we're creating. Mm-hmm. It's not a conscious creation, but I can consciously stop breathing mm-hmm. and I'm no longer creating life, right? Yeah. If I decide I'm just going to hold my breath, I'm creating something that's the opposite of life. We are always creating. And when we're in that conscious state of creating, we're conscious of how we create and what the end result will be. So like, if I consciously stop breathing, I know I'm not creating life, right? Mm -hmm. But we're also always creating in what we give energy to and focus to. So people say thoughts become things. And there's a whole lot that happens in between. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? Like, yes, yeah. thoughts do become things, but not all thoughts become things. Right. And because there's a process in between. And that process is that we we invest in that thought, right? Just choosing consciously or by default, because we're always creating, we're always choosing. It's just that we got a whole bunch of default code that we usually use to create. But choosing, where do I put my energy? What thought do I give energy, focus, attention to? That's creation. So one of the things I love about when you and I get together, and we do on the average spend about two hours a week together, which is a lot of creation time, Mm -hmm. is that we're very intentional about where we put our thoughts and our energy. And I've worked with a lot of people, you know, they want to go down the drama path or they want to like go down the, here's why nothing's working and I can't because... And you and I, we've been masterminding, I think over 13 years at this point, we're we're sneaking up on that 15 year mark of doing this work together. And we're always intentionally creating together, or I'm, you know, supporting your creation or you're supporting my creation. And it's always an intentional, mindful process, Mm -hmm. which is why I'm still doing it (laughs) because I just, I I love that about our time together. Right, right. And let's go back to the title of this episode. Super creating joy and abundance, how to be a super creator for joy and abundance. I think that a lot of your work is rooted in helping people who, especially when it comes to sort of the their own path through life, the creation process is not always joyous. In fact, it's something opposite. And it's not always resulting in abundance. In fact, it's sometimes the opposite. Can you talk a bit about the work you do and how you help people transform from the whatever the opposite of joyous may be to or joyful to and 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 from that lack of abundance to abundance you know those two words the reason i love those two words is because they carry so much baggage Mm -hmm. and in fact a lot of people especially business leaders entrepreneurs or maybe it's not especially business leaders and entrepreneurs maybe i feel that way because that's 70 to 80 percent of my interaction Right. Is it, we have this idea that joy and abundance live in two different camps and we're trying to force the two together. You right. know? So I right. got my joy over here and I got the way that I create abundance over here. And somehow if I could just 
get them into the same camp around the same campfire, my life would be perfect. Yeah. yeah. And when we're in that super creator perspective, so super creator for me refers to being in what we call the super conscious or the level of consciousness that even sets above your unconscious or your self-conscious. When we're coming out of that perspective, we're the creator. Mm. Everything else is a creation. My life, my body, my ex lived experience, my relationships, my abundance, my joy. Uh, that's all just stuff I create. In the super creative perspective, I'm the creator, everything else creation, right? And when I'm in that perspective, joy and abundance are just two things that I create. They're not in opposite camps. They don't conflict with each other. Talk about a treacherous dichotomy, as our friend John David Mann always said. Mm -hmm. And so really, I can find abundance in just having an abundance of joy. But I can also take what builds joy for me or bring more of what I love into the world and create abundance of the financial sort, of the relationship sort, of the uh, just I have an abundance of options. You know, as you know, part of my process with the, you know, the whole vision to reality structure is we always sit down and go, well, what are all the potentialities? What are all the things I could do? Not even that I'm going to do, not even maybe that I'm going to consider seriously doing, but mm -hmm. knowing that I've got all these options, that's sitting in the super creator uh, seat, so to speak, mm -hmm. and saying, well, I've got an abundance of options. Right. You can't keep me from getting from A to B because I have infinite roads that will take me there, right? So when we're in that perspective, joy and abundance are absolutely interconnected, interwoven, rather than being in opposing camps where you're struggling and you're grinding or you're doing this, the, what I call the vibrate and wait, right? The, yeah. I'll get in the right vibration, but then I have to wait for it as it comes to me. I'm like, vibrate by all means, you know, and then go take action. Right. You know, right. I'm, I'm not sitting and waiting, but I'm not struggling either. Yeah. And in, in, in my work, I hear from so many people who say, I'm not creative. I don't have what it takes the vibrate and wait. I, I sit down at the computer and I hope that I will, that the muse will strike, that I'll feel the inspiration. And they're, they're waiting for some external force, some magic to strike them. And then, and only then, can they act, can they create, and then an outcome of that is a sense of joy, fulfillment, abundance, and so forth. That's right. not how you look at it. So how, oh. <laughs> or how I look at it. Uh, let's talk a little bit about that creative process and, and how yeah. to get into that state and how you can control that. Yeah. Yeah. It's so funny because of course that takes me back to the first podcast interview we did, what, two years yeah. ago or something about the muse. And, you know, so when I do writing retreats, one of the things that I always remind people is if you're looking for the muse out here mm -hmm. you're already lost right <laughs> because the muse is is an inner thing certainly mm -hmm. things out here can activate it can wake it up 
can, you know, bring that views into full alertness and going, oh, hey, we got stuff to create here, right? So absolutely activating the inner muse can, can be external um, um, stimuli or, or inspiration and putting your way, you know, yourself in the path of inspiration that activates the inner muse. But if you're looking for it out here, what we're often doing is what we're really looking for is validation. We're saying, am I really good enough to create? Like if a muse came along and tapped me on the shoulder, like some fairy godmother, let's just, you know, roll fairy tales and great mythology together here. You know, then I would believe that I'm good enough. They're waiting for the lightning to strike, right? It's sort of becoming a lightning rod because we absolutely were born to be lightning rods for creation. Every single person, it's just going to take different forms. I mean, I, there's a lot of forms of creation that I love. I love going to the symphony. You know, I love going to the Sheldon and every kind of music possible. And I love going to the Sheldon for the, you know, the, the gallery. And I love photography. And yeah, that's not what happens when lightning strikes. What happens with me is always words. Because mm-hmm. I love story and story to me comes out in words. But story shows up in pictures and story shows up in music and story shows up everywhere, right? right. So we, we walk around waiting for that lightning strike, that blessing from the outside, that muse that says, you're worth it. I'm going to invest in you. When really all of that originates within our power as you know what I call a super creator. Right. We're just not activating it. We're not working out of it. So yep. it's really funny because I used to be terrified because I didn't know where it came from. Yeah. Like I've been writing poetry since I was in the second grade. Nobody in the second grade understood the poetry I wrote. That was beside the point. To me, it was poetry and I loved writing it. And then yeah. as I realized, most people struggle with this. For most people, this is the struggle that keeps them from joy in creation. I started thinking, well, I'm probably wrong. I'm probably not really creating anything of value because I'm not struggling to create it. So it must not be good. Right. And so every time I would create something, I would have that. What if lightning doesn't strike again? Mm -hmm. Same thing when I used to start with a client, because I've always used an intuitive process. I just didn't have a process for it. Every time I took on a new client, I'd be like, what if that doesn't happen this time? Mm -hmm. What if I don't just know where the energy needs to go or where the conversation needs to go or where the unpacking needs to happen or where the shifting? What if I, I always have known, but what if I don't this time? Yeah. And and so when we learn to activate the super creator, the inner muse, the, you know, what I think of as standing in your truth and power, we have a process for that. We don't have to do that, that struggle thing of what if it doesn't happen next time? Exactly. That's when joy and abundance is, is just right there at your fingertips. Yeah, the process is more joyful. We're in control of it. There is so much that you said in the last couple of minutes that is extraordinarily powerful. At the heart of what you said is that it's about us activating us being in control us exercising our power we are the ones who are in control and you used a phrase earlier that uh, that underscores this you put yourself in the way of inspiration so it's not about just sitting there in a chair and and hoping that inspiration strikes it's about taking actions activating developing habits, developing systems to allow, to put ourselves in a state where creation can flow. And 
the the other thing that you said or or that i i pull from what you said is it really is about giving ourselves permission to create and and with that permission is making a commitment to act and so creation is not this magic thing that that happens without that word conscious without us consciously choosing we're consciously choosing to write to create to act and to write poetry and there are steps that we take to make it happen what are some of the what what do you mean when you talk about putting yourself in the way of inspiration yeah it you know permission is such a powerful word word there because a lot of what is really putting yourself in the way of inspiration Mm -hmm. and really being present to your intuition Mm -hmm. looks like laziness right Right. You know, for me, my dad always said, Dixie, would you get your head out of the clouds? Mm-hmm. And as I got older, I'm like, no, because that's where the magic is. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure mm-hmm. I don't want to get my head out of the clouds, you know, because my head in the clouds time to anybody else might look like idle daydreaming. Mm-hmm. For me, it was creating in the mind before yeah. I, you know, could create in the material sense, right? It's it's got to form somewhere. Mm-hmm. And that was my, you know, that was my laboratory. That was my breeding ground. That's where things happen. You know, taking a walk and not taking a walk for exercise. I don't mean getting out and booking it so you can burn some calories. I mean, taking an amble, a stroll with detours and curiosity, and maybe just time looking at a leaf and wondering how come that leaf is identifiable to the right. tree it belongs to, but it doesn't look like exactly any other leaf yeah. on the tree. What's with that, right? Yeah. Those things, we don't give ourselves permission to do those things because those to us are not a doing. Right. They're an action, but they don't feel like doing and we're conditioned to think that productivity is yeah. the result of activity, doing. Yep. Yep. And in creation, Productivity first happens in what we call the feminine. It happens in feminine action, the interaction, the gestation period, the little spark that goes, oh, hey, that's a something. I don't know what it is yet because it's not showing any signs of what it's going to be, but it's a something. And I'm going to give it some attention. And the, the point that you're making is so critical. And there's a really nuanced distinction here that I, I want to explore. And that is, and that is that it, it, there are a lot of people who say things like if you're feeling stuck, if you're suffering writer's block, if you're having a hard time creating, go for a walk. Okay, great. That You just said that. But the difference is that a lot of people will then go for a walk and think, at every step as they walk, all right, I'm going for a walk and I'm going to sit here and I'm going to think up story ideas for my emails, or I'm going to think about the product. And you're talking not about going on a walk, you know, making the walk your workshop for doing the creation. It's not a mission-driven walk. Yeah, you're going on a walk 
just to put yourself in the way of inspiration. It's changing you your, not, your being. Yeah. Right? You may I'm not, not I'm not a doing. I'm yeah. a being. And out of the being comes the creativity yeah. um, and the inspiration, which then I need to do. I got to capture it. Right. But the capturing is second to the creation. Yep. Does that make sense? Like you create it. And then my flaw, as you know, from our mutual friend, Scott Ginsburg, who always used to yep. spend sessions with me, write down everything that I said. And then at the end of the session, he'd be like, are you going to use that? Because if you're not <laughs> going to use that, I'm going to. Yeah. And I'd be like, I don't even know what I said. And so right. he started sharing his notebook with me and really taught me the importance of capturing, yeah. right? Um, because but the creation has to come first. So often what we're trying to do is we're trying to capture lightning wherever it is instead of attracting that lightning strike and then capturing it right? yeah and and the and then capturing it is you know where where process and the magic of this meet because you and i both have a lot of habits and systems and tools that we bring to this. So I have systems where if I see something that is remarkable and interesting, I record it. I might take a picture on my phone. I might record something I hear. I might take a thought that comes to mind and dictate it into a voice memo on my phone. All of these are part of systems and tools and habits that we bring to conscious creation but it's not the same as saying I am spending the next 20 minutes walking around the block. And if at the end of those 20 minutes, I don't have the outline for a blog post or an email, I've failed in my mission. My block was a waste of time. That's yeah. what I hear all the time. Well, I took a walk. It wasted my time. Excuse yeah. me? Yeah. So no, no. Right, right. <laughs> it's, it's just funny. But here's, here's the other thing is that as you practice, I mean, certainly, you know, taking that stroll, you know, I love our botanical gardens. They're just mm -hmm. the marvelous place for inspiration, um, you know, at every turn. Uh, you know, I, I love even my my neighborhood, just, you know, an amble, wave at a few people. Don't tell anybody. Well, we're telling everybody. What am I saying? My neighbors will probably never know. Like part of my little process is to make up stories about people I meet, like, mm -hmm. you know, just to let stories show up, right? Because I'm practicing the creation of story. That's mm -hmm. not because I believe those stories or don't, you know, right. I'm practicing the creation of story. And really that can happen anywhere to go back to daydreaming, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that happens as an internal process. I can get external stimuli. I love it. Yeah. But, you know, let's say I've got 10 minutes Yeah. in the first five. I can go somewhere that that activates that muse in my own mind. Right. And in the second five, I might write down two or three notes. You know me. I, I like my little red notebook and my fountain pen. Right. I, I like my tactile things. So, you know, my little red notebook is full of, you know, just two or three lines and two or three lines and two or three lines. That's how the truth about winter ended up being written. Right. You know, it was it was these thoughts and then stories and and so on. So the other piece of this, we're consciously creating a thing. Mm -hmm. You know, we've been talking about just inviting something in. Mm -hmm. But in order for it to have value, 
we have to share it back up. Yeah, we got to craft it. We got to put our stamp on it. It's like we go and we mine the raw materials. You know, we capture the lightning. We we get the gold, whatever it is. Now we got to turn it into something that's shareable. If I go sharing lightning in its purest form, I'm not going to be the most popular person on the block. (laughs) (laughs) You know, even even gold doesn't doesn't look all that exciting in its pure in its original form, the way that you find it. You know, everything needs that polish and that packaging. And so when I'm working on a project, whether it's the writing I just did for the website, whether it's, you know, a blog post or an article for some other media site, whether, you know, it's it then I have context mm-hmm. so I have a very specific process for what I call intuitive writing. You know, mm-hmm. I, it, you could call it inspiration. You can call it intuition. You can call it genius, whatever you want to call it, you know, downloads, channeling. It's, it's called all those things. Mm-hmm. But for me, there's so much that I know that I don't know that I know. Mm-hmm. And that's true for everybody, right? We have an intuition. We have a whole library accessible to us of everything even you know cellular memory what's living in my my body that isn't conscious what i have from my unconscious years before my self-conscious came online and said oh hey person i'm a i I have personhood right Mm -hmm. there's all that lived before that there's everything i've gathered into the subconscious that i wasn't conscious of that's all stored in my field and when i when I bring story into the world, I want access to all of it. None of this limited figuring out in my head, because, you know, that is a very small percentage of what I have access to. Mm -hmm. And then there's just for me, what I think of as divine inspiration, you know, what, what shows up from the bigger field that who who knows its origin, we're we're always building fires on somebody else's ashes, right? So, you know, it just shows up to have access to that as a structure. So if I'm creating like the truth about winter was written this way, the book I'm working on now, the truth about holy water written this way, but so is a leadership book that I'm working on. It's not mm-hmm. just because those are fiction or their story is I have a three, three part process. Mm-hmm. The first is I define the container, meaning what do I want to fill it with today? Mm-hmm. Right? Because some days we're filling a pot to put on the boil and sometimes we're filling a pitcher. We're going to put ice in mm-hmm. two different things. Context, you know, intuition's a lot like Google. The, the sharper you are about your context, the more specific and clear you're going to be on what you receive. Mm-hmm. So to find that container, what am I filling today? Maybe it's the what's the next scene. Maybe it's what's the next inception point in the story. Maybe it's what's the next teaching point I need to make in the book, whatever it is right? Context, container. And the next is to consciously empty the container because it's already full of all the things I think I know. You know, very finite. It's filled with finite things. What I'm conscious of knowing, what I'm conscious of thinking that I know, what I'm conscious of what I think other people think they know, what I'm conscious of what other people will think about what I think I know. It gets really complex in there. Empty it, dump it out. And, and what do just, you mean by dump it out? What are you doing when you dump it's it? It's a state that we call innocence, which mm-hmm. if you break it down, comes to in no sense. I don't need anything to make sense right now. Mm-hmm. I don't need to know anything. I don't pretend to know anything. I'm just, there's there's nothing in the container. It's like, you know, I clear the cache, right? Mm-hmm. Clear mm-hmm. the cache. Good. I have a very well-defined container that gives me context. 
And I'm just going to suspend any idea that I actually know anything about anything. Mm -hmm. The beautiful state. Because, you know, when you don't know anything about anything, suddenly everything is possible because you don't know it to not be possible. Therefore, it is possible. You have just created an infinite source with which to fill the container, which has context. You know, it's it's like going to the, you know, an, an infinite source of water and saying, all I really need is this pot filled with water. But how easy is it when the source is infinite, right? right. So then you get into that context and you just allow that the container will be filled with what belongs in the container. Mm -hmm. Things show up in my container that I'm like, really? The story's going that way? Mm -hmm. That's what that person's going to say right now? Well, who knew? I mean, it's beautifully unexpected. And at the same time, just like, okay, well, that moves the story in a different direction. Right. There are times when I'm writing teaching points mm -hmm. and I might think I know what needs to be taught. And I'm in the middle of filling that container mm -hmm. and something comes out of my mouth. Right. And sometimes I'm like, is that true? Because I've never <laughs> really thought about that before. Right. Stop, hold everything while I check it for truth. Right. Yeah. And it's like, yes, actually, I can't think of any circumstance under which that would not be true. Yep. And there it is. And it didn't come out of my conscious uh, memory. Yep. And yet it was a conscious creation because I consciously chose the container I consciously chose the state and I yeah. consciously chose what belongs to show up. I mean, yeah. that's how you, you know, this, this is how I do the, the, every single session that I do with my coaching group. Yeah. You know, it's, I have a few notes. I have a definition of the container. I go into that empty out the container. What shows up are things that I know intellectually, things I know through experience, things mm -hmm. I know because I've read the, the science and the studies and I've, you know, taken the classes and I've done the things and some things just come through where it connects that to something else. And it's like, well, there yeah. you go. <laughs> and, you know, you got to go yeah. with it. And what's what's powerful about that is, is you're describing process and habit again, establishing a container, doing this habitually, understanding the container that you're filling. And when you approach it like that, without by the way a sense of constant self-editing just back to permission to create then things flow from you you create things that you couldn't have possibly imagined that draw from your subconscious that are are uh, perhaps buried deep that surprise and delight you back to the fun and the joy of the creation process but what so, so what you're describing seems on one level mystical and magical and, and, and otherworldly because it is from a world that you're not necessarily grounded in in every moment, but it's, it's very conscious process and system that you're applying to this. Now, the, the other point that I want to bring back to this is when we talk about taking a walk for a walk's sake, when we talk about just writing for writing's sake, creating for creating's sake, noodling on a musical instrument just for the sake of noodling on a musical instrument, all of that is habit and process also. It's a little different than, all right, here's the container I'm putting my stuff in. And 
you you have to do that as well that's part of what you know just the joy of creating in the grand scheme of things great outcomes result from that in the moment you know don't don't do it with an agenda and it's the practice of not doing it with an agenda and you know that's a fact that showed up in our our last podcast interview Mm -hmm. um that it's that practice of allowing, you know, the, the book that we both enjoyed so much, you know, Jeff Tweedy's How to Write One Song. He says, you know, the, the, the way to learn to write songs is to give yourself permission to write one song, one, right. right? When you give yourself permission every day to do the things that look like idleness, mm-hmm. close your eyes and stare off into the space that happens behind your eyelids, you know, a, take a walk. in a journal, take right. a walk, right. All the things. When you give yourself permission to do that as a daily practice, Mm -hmm. then when you need to sit down with a project and do the define the container, empty the container, allow it to be filled and captured what comes in, that's just flow. Right. And it's just flow because of the daily practice. You know, when I teach this and do writing retreats with small groups, or I, I teach it, you know, with clients that really want to create out of their truth. They really want to write or speak or, you know, they want their thought leadership to be based in in what is true for them at their core level. Mm -hmm. The first thing they fight is the emptiness. Right. The emptiness of taking a walk just to be present out there. The emptiness of, you know, being aware with your eyes closed, but still being aware that you're seeing things that are projected through your mind show up on the backs of your eyelids. Like I said, the truth about winter, it's just like, everything's just like the backs of my eyelids are suddenly a movie screen. When mm-hmm. I wrote the truth about winter, one of the things people comment a lot is I can feel that wind. I can see that. Pre- like it's so visceral. Mm-hmm. I'm like, that's because I just described the movie that was showing up in the back of my eyelids when right. I was writing. Right. But it's an emptiness. It's that tension sitting with an empty page or the tension of closing your eyes and waiting for the movie to start, or the tension of, I don't even know where I'm going on this walk or what I'm supposed to be seeing. We find tension and emptiness, but the tension, here's the most important thing I can tell anybody. Tension is where that magic happens. It sounds magical and mystical because we can't see it, right? I always say magic is just the science of the unseen. You know, so much we used to call magic is being explained by science because we've learned to see things we couldn't see before, right? Yeah. But that that being in the tension, literally in tension, mm-hmm. because when you define a container, that's an intention. You're in the tension. Yeah. Tension is a magical mover of things. Yeah, you know, it, <laughs> as you describe that, what popped into my head was watching the Beatles Get Back movie. This uh, Peter Jackson, the Lord of the uh, Lord of the Rings director, got footage from the old Let It Be uh, recording sessions. It was made into a movie. It was uh, the, that whole experience for the Beatles is often framed as this tragic tale of the last time the Beatles appeared publicly, the last 
album they recorded together the eve of their breakup and so forth peter jackson got hold of unseen uh previously unseen or at least on broadcast footage and built a six hour movie out of it that you can get on apple tv and there's constant tension that you see and there's constant what seems to be frivolous idleness there band members who aren't getting along who have a deadline who are sitting around and the songs are not coming as easily as they used to but what they're doing is you know running guitar riffs playing old songs they know and love uh doing what seems like unfocused no agenda activity and in that is tension and even for the viewer i heard somebody say oh it just got so monotonous and boring and my reaction was exactly because out of that came get back and let it be and the long and winding road and across the universe and stuff you know it it was this so-called tragic moment for the band but when you watch this movie there's six hours of creative process that you know is is what it's all about what we're talking about the idle walks around the block the idle minutes just playing riffs until seemingly magically out comes the riff that's the lead guitar riff in get back and you're like eureka what geniuses they are but it's not about their geniuses and you're not it's that's about exactly right they it's about they put in the work they spent the time walking around the block journaling noodling doodling you know the, paul mccartney loves to tell the story it's been written about a gazillion times of how he dreamt yesterday i woke up i walked to the piano i played the song and we all have yesterday one of my greatest songs ever and i hate that story and I hate that story because it lacks the context that's necessary to understand it. We're talking today about the context, all of the things that Paul McCartney did that he doesn't tell reporters when he shares that story, all of the noodling and doodling and walking around the block and journaling and the tens of thousands of hours of, of practice. That's what allowed him to create and it, it make no mistake about it when he's lying asleep at night paul mccartney is creating it's not a magic thing falls from on high and fills his genius well he he is a genius and so are you and he did these things that we're talking about that enabled him to wake up in the morning and play yesterday on the piano. And so can you. That's what I love about the innocence, right? Being in innocence. It looks aimless. 
Mm-hmm. You know, it was so funny, Chris, you know, my partner, Philip, his brother has a little girl that's just like the center of all family gatherings, because mm-hmm. I mean, you can't ask for better entertainment, but you also can't ask for a better teacher. So sure. she's a year and a half and she's very determined and she's, she's testing her boundaries. Right. Mm-hmm. So she decides to get big poofy Ottoman, you know, the type, you know, soft baby safe, you know, overstuffed Ottoman, but it's, it's big and it's awkward. And, you know, even as an adult, like getting a grip on it isn't necessarily easy. And Minerva, her name's Minerva, because that's inviting trouble. Um, <laughs> Minerva decides that Ottoman needs to be elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Right? And mm-hmm. she just studiously puts herself to the, I'm going to move it elsewhere. There's no aim in that. Mm-hmm. There's no real purpose in that. There's mm-hmm. exploration in that. There's challenge in that. We mm-hmm. rise to challenges, right? Um, you know, there's mostly just, I'm going to do it because I'm pretty sure I can do it and it'll be fun to do it. I have done it. And that's the only reason I'm doing this thing, right? There's an innocence in that. It doesn't have to make sense. And when you see musicians sit around and just play things and it looks aimless, you might say, well, they must be frustrated or they must not know what they want to play or they're they're not getting anything new. So they're playing the old stuff, right? Always notice that's through your lens. That's mm-hmm. the experience you would be having because you're not practiced at this state of innocence, of just aimlessly doodling and fiddling and playing with something until you get that spark that goes, that's it. You know, that's it. Because the other piece then is to notice, well, what is it? Because we miss lightning strikes every day. Right. Because tension feels uncomfortable. We are so conditioned that. If there's tension, there's discomfort. If there's discomfort, there's something wrong. If there's something wrong, it needs to be fixed right now. Mm-hmm. And so we go fixing the very thing that would create the magic because yeah. we don't stay in the tension. Yeah. And what, what, what you're talking about now, Dixie, is, is I think what Rob Walker calls the habit of noticing. He wrote a book uh, by that name. And you're talking about embracing the tension and embracing a habit of noticing, not saying, oh, I'm wasting time, not saying this is frivolous, not saying that, oh, I'm not getting anything done. Notice the shape of that leaf. Notice the, the sounds of, uh, that you're hearing around you and, and actually consciously try to embrace that and notice that. And when you do, you discover things that you never would have discovered otherwise that just would pass through you, but it's in you if you allow it to be in you. There's always a resonance. You know, I, something I say to the group, uh, my coaching group, uh, probably at least once a week. And I, you know, we have six, often six sessions a week. So, you know, they might hear it a lot is noticing is your superpower. Yeah. When you notice it's conscious. When it's conscious, you can choose what to do with it. And the same is true for your impatience or your frustration or your judgment. So what I always tell them is when you notice that you're getting impatient or uncomfortable in the tension, good. Now you have the power to choose what you're going to do with that discomfort or that frustration. Like now you can choose. I've noticed that I'm, I'm impatient and I have this little game. I play with my unconscious when I notice it doing something that pulls me back into an a non-creative structure 
is I just, I just kind of laugh at it. You know, mm-hmm. I just kind of go, oh, that's really cute. Like, thanks for letting me know this feels uncomfortable. Thanks for letting me know that this feels pointless. Now I'm going to go back to doing it, but thanks, yeah. right? Yeah. I just have this little dialogue with my unconscious where I just bring it out and say, I have noticed it. It's now out here where I can observe it and I can choose what to do about it, you know? Yeah. But the same is true when you notice the things that inspire you. Yeah. So you can notice and celebration. I did a whole session um, for uh, a conscious leadership um roundtable that that I I host for uh, Leadership Global. And we did it on the power in the body of celebrating. Notice what you have to celebrate. Oh, that will change your neurological structure real fast. Notice what you have to celebrate. So when you start noticing birdsong, like we bought a house, as you know, last year, and the frogs and the birds, and I mean, it's just, sometimes it's so loud. I'm out here going, I can hardly hear myself. Thank for y'all. You're noisy. And then stop and celebrate. I have so much space and I have, you know, the wildness so close that I can hear the song of the universe anytime I want to walk out on my deck. That's a celebration. And so we notice we we can also then change our lens. We can change our lens to a lens of creation. We can change our lens to being that super creator that sits up here and goes, I created this. And if I decide I want to create something different, I always can. In the meantime, I'm just going to celebrate that I created this. Pretty cool. Very you know? cool. Very cool. And and we could go on and and chalk up very cools for another hour, I I suspect. Easily. Two hours. Easily. We do it, we do it week after week. Enjoy so. <laughs> an abundance. We could. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. However. There's only yes. so much time in the podcast episode. So Always. we're going to have to, we're going to have to agree as we did months ago, uh, really years ago when you were first on the show that we're going to do it again. And we probably won't wait for two years, three years, however long it's been to do it again. But this conversation, it, it, you and I were talking before we pressed record and, and entered the studios that uh, we were so looking forward to this conversation and I loved it. I hope you loved it. And those of you who are out there listening or watching, I hope you loved it as well and can take some of these things we talked about and put them to work so that you can become a super creator, achieve that joy, that abundance that we're talking about. Dixie, any parting thoughts? Just want a second, exactly what you said. You know, we're spoiled. We're spoiled to get to spend two hours a week having conversation, you know, and, and moving our, our creations forward together. But it's it's an added spark of inspiration to know that there are other people that are going to get to share this. Mm-hmm. And exactly what you said, you know, I hope everybody that that listens, you know, takes even one thing, notices one thing that gives them a little more power to create, a little more awareness of their power to create and, uh, and goes to create some magic. Yeah. That's what you were born to do. That's what you were born to do. It's within you. Go get it. So those of you who are still here listening, watching, wherever you are, thank you for spending time with us today. And go to that podcast platform, Apple, Spotify, Google, wherever it is you got your podcast. And if you enjoyed what you heard or saw, 
click that five-star review and share the gift. The people, if you liked it, then tell other people about it so that others can discover this episode and the Story Power Marketing Show in general. As far as the Story Power, as far as Story Power Marketing, go to storypowermarketing.com, sign up for my email list, get free resources, all designed to help you create better content that captivates prospects and inspires them to buy, to transform the content creation process from frustrating to fun and fulfilling, and ultimately to transform the bottom line and achieve the kind of abundance defined in multiple ways, whatever it may be for you, to achieve the kind of abundance that you want to achieve. Dixie, where can people find you? Well, as you know, we relaunched DixieGlassby.com. So, uh, so more and more is showing, showing up there. Um, but, but really, if you want to have a conversation, reach out on LinkedIn. It's a great place to find me for a conversation. I'd love to hear from anyone. Terrific. Dixie, thank you. See you next week. Absolutely. And, uh, <laughs> I really, really enjoyed our conversation. And thanks again to all of you who are out there listening, watching, spreading the word. We'll see you again down the road. listening to the Story Power Marketing Show with Tom Ruich. If you liked what you heard today, visit storypowermarketing.com resources, where you can sign up for Tom's entertaining, informative, must-read emails, download free business building resources, and discover other opportunities to help you harness the power of storytelling. That's storypowermarketing.com slash resources to help you captivate prospects, inspire them to act, and grow your business with greater ease and joy. Also, please remember to subscribe to the Story Power Marketing Show with Tom Ruich and review it on iTunes or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. 